Hi everybody, welcome back to the Everything Design Show. Uh, I'm Nicholas and today on the show I have um, Joseph. Joseph is currently a experienced designer at the NTUC Income Digital Transformation Office. Right? Uh, and, and Joseph has been a design educator, he's a designer, entrepreneur, uh, and he's really been uh, working um, you know, in across you know different different companies over the over the over the years and he's also been teaching you know in our local schools uh, uh, in in our polytechnics Nian Poly Nanyang Polytechnic as well as as, as ITE uh, and he's also a mentor and a coach for young designers so you know we're very happy to have him today hi Joseph how how's how are you Hi everyone. Hi Nicholas. Uh, great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. No, no, no. Yeah, Excited I, to share my story, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, actually, I saw uh, Joseph's profile on LinkedIn. I think, it's, uh, actually, I, I connected with him on LinkedIn, I would say maybe at least a good year or a year and a half yeah. ago. And um, right. I've always been, you know, uh, you know, trying to sort of see what, what cool things he's been doing. Um, you know, previously he was at DBS and he was uh, helping in terms of uh, a lot of the internal um, sort of design and experiences that, that he's been he's been creating, which we know we'll, we'll mm. hear about very soon. Uh, and mm. also, you know, when he moved to uh, NTUC Income, I also piqued my interest to be honest because um, you know in this room that I am at right on my left hand side on most days yeah. uh, is my wife who also works for NTUC income interesting yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah in wow. the uh, uh, in the in a different office she's looking at data in the in the data so she works actually mm. um, you know uh, um, uh, a bit closely right? but um, but yeah you know so so you know I tell it, when I saw the NTUC income I was like oh okay cool that's where my wife works so yeah 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 shout out to to my wife but anyway so yeah uh, um, Joseph of, you know uh, enough of me babbling yep. on uh, yeah mm. why don't you just uh, you know tell us a little bit about yourself you know uh, what sure, are you doing man. now um, what have you been doing for the past few years mm. and you maybe uh, can let us know a little bit about describe yourself as a designer to be honest yeah sure man uh, thank you so much again uh, so for me currently now I'm working as an experienced design manager at NTC Income um, basically helping the business because uh, NTC itself is an insurance company is one of the only social uh, co-ops uh, insurance company in Singapore and basically they are trying to provide insurance for the unserved and underserved uh, markets and communities in Singapore and part of this journey as well is really for them going on this digital transformation right uh, so that's why the whole DTO or the digital transformation office is set up and primarily for them is trying to innovate and release uh, new digital products uh, for the customers and so part of my job as an uh, experience design manager is really helping to look at experience design part of it looking at really at this new products that we're launching really answering the needs of the consumers or the customers uh in terms of whole overall experience from the website edms to the actual app to the actual product offering to the wording and that is it really talking into answering the the pain points of the customers is it making it easy intuitive for the customer to understand the policies and products and also more importantly is it integrating to their lifestyle into their day-to-day -day behavior where insurance is not a very big buzz, buzzy thing or like things that is too scary to go and look at uh, but something that is really integrated on the day-to-day -day basis of their life so before that i was at uh, dbs uh, as an employee journey design coach uh, looking at the internal transformation uh, proje uh, projects and initiative, looking at helping the bank to, because back then they had this ambition to be, uh, they still have this ambition. Uh, back then when I first joined in uh, 2017, they had this vision of being a startup, a 27,000 or 22,000 startup. Basically every employee in the bank is going to be a, uh, kind of act like a startup because the competition for DBS is not the other banks. Uh, they don't view it like that. They see the the new competitors for them is to be the big tech companies. Mm -hmm. So in DBS, the internally they have this thing called uh, Gandalf. We want to be the D in Gandalf, where G stands for Google, A Amazon, mm -hmm. N Netflix, D DBS, A Alibaba, uh, L LinkedIn, F Facebook. So in a way, they they want to become like a big tech company. And how do they help to transform? And so there's a lot of in different initiative in my team. Uh, under the future of work department 
looks up at some of this initiative as well. So for me as a design coach is to help the business people, the data folks, the day-to-day operations guys to kind of innovate, like working as a team to push out new transformation projects. And previously before that, I was educator. I was teaching at Niam Poly uh, for three years, started a design center there. Uh, basically, if you go to any of the design schools in Singapore, there is a design center of sort. So in MP, I kind of uh, helped co-found a design center uh, called ETC Lab, basically looking at social projects and 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 doing design research. Lah. But and what really is about taking the learnings from our students from the classroom and bringing it outside and getting them to interface with real life clients, real projects, and also take the learning outside so they can see it in more practical sense rather than just theoretical. Um, and before that, I was a retail designer uh, doing point of, uh, point of sales displays for a company called Barrows. It's a South African design company um, designed for big brands that you may know of like Honeycan, Tiger, um, Calberry, uh, Panadol, uh, all the big brands from Unilever, uh, uh, PNG, et cetera, et cetera, all these big consumer brands. And prior before that, I had a short stint uh, running my own design business uh, for about six months, but I've lost a lot of money in that whole experience, uh, which is interesting. Uh, as it actually helped along with my other, uh, my other careers, like the, my future careers, which made me kind of attractive, uh, interesting story to tell uh, for my employers. Yeah, and before that, yeah, my background is in industrial design. I studied in uh, NYP, Nanyang Poly, uh, for my diploma. Then uh, after that, I went to uh, UNSW, University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, under Golden Jubilee Scholarship. I studied for two years, then I came back. Then I started my own studio, then da, 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 da. my yeah. journey is ever since that. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a very, very extensive uh, and very wide portfolio, to be very honest. Um, if I tell you mine, it's just uh, go to school and work in a school. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so mine quite, bo- mine quite boring as compared to yours. But, but, but I mean, that's the... I, I think that's... Uh, I mean, when you mentioned about the... You're running your own business for six months, you know? Yes. Um, I yes. think... I thought that was an interesting thing that you, you brought up. You know, uh, employers mm. also see that as a... Um, you know, and, and you mentioned just now that the employers sort of see that as an interesting point. Um, yeah. You're running your own business. You, you won't delve too much into that, right? But um, what do you feel was some mm. of the uh, things that you learned or, you know, things mm. that you can really take out from that that was valuable for, for, for your career and where, 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 where you are mm. today? Mm. I think one thing that I really learned is the... Because to, to be uh, to to kind of network and be open uh, and and communicate and storytell and pitch and all that, um, because for me my personality I'm an introvert, so sell when you don't run your own business and you need to make sales and you need to sell things or you need to get money coming in on new projects and all that, you really need to kind of market yourself, sell yourself, speak up to other potential. Uh, clients and all that and kind of pitch that for, for new projects and all. And that's very difficult. And that's something that uh, is very uncomfortable for me. Um, but I think back then when I first started, I really only had one client. And after, but other than that, there's not, not other clients really. So in order to put food to the table, I have to force myself to kind of speak up, uh, communicate. So I'll go to the networking event. My first few networking events I went to, because that's in my mentality, right? How, how to get new business, go to networking events where people are at. So when I go there, uh, I would just stand in the corner because being an introvert, you know, you don't want to. Say, you're very shy. You don't want to. You don't know how, what to say and all that. But slowly, as I observe people and how they, you know, like some people are just very magical. You know? They can just go into a group setting and they just interrupt some, just interrupt for a while, and then they uh, blend into the whole conversation already. So I thought, like, how did they do it? Then after observing for a while, then I decided to give it a try. And as I try more and more, I got more comfortable with it and became easier. Like. I think that really helped me along the way as a designer, uh, be it even as a junior designer, uh, selling my idea or selling what I'm designing, my concepts to my design managers and to my peers, or even be as an educator, right? In standing in front of the class and uh, teaching design, teaching the concepts, the theory, the examples, the case studies to students, to get them engaged. Or even as my role as a design coach at DBS, engaging with different stakeholders, especially for the senior management, to the, meet the managers or even the everyday employee, right? Uh, how do you then communicate to them? Or even now my role as income 
working with multiple stakeholders across the across the organization. So I think the whole communication piece, uh, even though we learned it in school in terms of presentation and all that, but learning it in real life and actually <laughs> forcing yourself to do it, network and communicate and really know how to listen and understand and then kind of have small talks and all that, that is a life skill mm -hmm. that I was very surprised to learn. Uh, and I really yeah, credit a lot to it, that whole experience, even though it was uh, quite a tough experience at my start of my career. But I think that's one of the major learning points that I got from it. And I think, yeah, it really made me a better designer today. Yeah, actually, I like the word that you use because um, mm. I think people may sort of associate right, a failed business with um, negativity, right? But I, I like that yeah. the, you use the word tough. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's something that that's very, very important because, I mean, even when I look mm. at your, your portfolio, I look at the work, wh where you've been, you know, your resume in that sense. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I wouldn't assume, I wouldn't assume that you're an introvert, to be very honest, you know, to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I hear that quite often. Yeah, to be an employee journey, design yeah. coach, um, yeah. to be a head uh, of, you know, a, sort of a design experience, design manager. Um, mm. You know, I'm I'm assuming that these tools that you use on your day to day, you know, with you know, we talk about interviews, understanding yeah. your clients, even talking to your own colleagues, um, yeah. you know, I, you know, these are things that you know need a lot of communication to be done on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I guess speaking about that, you know, what, what from a day-to-day, um, mm. you know, do you, do you have to communicate a lot, you know, as, as, as an experienced designer, um, manager mm. now, experienced design manager, mm. or, you know, as an employee journey mm. co uh, design coach in the past, you know, how much of your day-to-day -day is, is, is really about communicating and listen to people, listening to people? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I think in terms of communication, uh, especially now, I think it's much tougher. Like, we, 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 because of, we can't meet people, uh, mm. our colleagues in person and our, our team in person. Uh, so we have everything to do virtually. But I think it doesn't really change much. We still communicate. We go on meetings. So uh, we still have daily stand-ups with different stakeholders or different teams that we're working with. And then talking about projects and all that, understanding their needs, understanding their struggles, understanding the objective, what's the KPI, and being more listening and, and seeing how our role as a designer, we can help them in their job and how, how can we support them uh, all the way to back as the, in DBS, kind of that's what I'm doing. So some days, every day is not going to be, this, it's not the same. Some days I'll be interviewing uh, our colleagues uh, and, and to be honest, this is all around because when we design the programs, it's all across the world. So it's for all our markets. So some days we'll be interviewing colleagues from India, another in China, Hong Kong, or Indonesia, and just asking them about day-to-day, -day, what's the day-to-day -day problems or a particular area that we are experimenting or we're trying to figure out like in terms of meetings. And that's one of the major projects that I did in DBS. Uh, I mean, answering their whole experience around that and where, where can we help and where can we do better as a whole company. Uh, to help them so and being that if not all the way it could be interacting with vendors right when we, when we design new products out sometimes we don't have to do the we don't we don't we're not involved in the coding process we are involved in the research the discovery and the design process but when it comes to deliver sometimes we don't have the capability then when we interact with vendors we need to articulate to them uh what is the specs what's the requirements what's the business objective what's the uh the design objective and all that and how yeah, so you kind of like use this skill of communication in every single aspect uh, from your day-to-day -day small talks with your colleagues to your team all the way to interviewing your actual users and interacting with your other stakeholders like your vendors to the management. Uh, the management is a bit harder and that's something that I'm still learning, uh, speaking in their language of business and how do you show data and kind of uh, talk in their language of business management terms and all that and how do they help them achieve the, the company KPI and the, help, help the, bottom, the company's bottom line and all that. That is something that is quite mm. new for a design to kind of learn and communicate. Uh, but it's a learning process. It's a, really a learning process. So every aspect, uh, I think communication, 
skills, good communication skills is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the communication part because there's a lot, yeah. I think there's a lot for so you much to share about. about. <laughs> but actually, I mean, you talk about this communication part, especially when it comes mm. to things like vendors, right? I, I can assume, or even you talk about like, you talk about your 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 C-suite, you know, the CEOs or the managers, yes. people of, um, you know, who are making all these very, very big decisions. I, I realize yeah. that, that in design school, we... We teach that, you know, like you mentioned, you, you teach that in, you know, in presentations and things, but right. but the skill is actually not, not just about presenting your ideas, it's about presenting in a language that they can understand and mm. it, 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 they, they affirm, they, 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 they are able to understand what you're trying to say. And right. it also is, you know, music to their ears in that sense, right? What is their KPI? What's the value to them? What are they trying to achieve? Uh, right. I, I feel... And and I think to, to to be very honest, this is a very 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 useful skill, which I think sometimes employers also don't acknowledge um, mm. when they're looking for somebody to hire. You know, a lot of the technical mm. skills, you know, or um, uh, whether you 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 can code or whether you can do the reports right. or your design right. and all these kind of things. But when we when it starts to reach, I feel when it starts to reach that that mm. you know maybe that managerial level or middle management, um, this is a very very tough skill to also identify in a future employer um, or employee mm. in that sense right so um, I mean from your experience you know you, 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 you've, you've, you've had sort of two sort of key roles in, in you know do using this communication skill and yep. you know also in, in your previous experience um, you know with your business mm. do you think that there's any do you have any tips for, for people who who have these skills you know of communication mm. How do you? How do you? How would you sort of? Are there any tips or how would you recommend them? You know, any recommendations for them to say, hey, here's how you can mm. showcase these specific, you know, people communication skills that you may have. Do you think that's something that's something that you mm. you 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 can share? Yeah, I, I that's a good one. So so. I think I'm thinking of it as a different aspect of a designer's journey or maybe a hiring journey. So on, uh, let's say if you're if the designer is in the job search process and they're going to interviews, interviews are a great way to showcase the communication skills as you are communicating and chatting and having a discussion with the hiring manager. From that, that in a sense, the hiring manager also can get a sense of how what's the level of this person's communication skill? You know, are they able to do a bit of small talk? Are they able to intertwine subject matter coming in? Are they able to tell a story? Is there a logical flow to it? Um, so that that is one example of it. Um, the other part, which is a bit tougher, is really putting yourself out there. So like even going to something like a podcast like that with <laughs> Nicholas, that itself is also a communication skill, mm-hmm. right? You're communicating, it's just a different platform, a medium. Or when I see designers that are putting themselves out there on YouTube, uh, that itself is, is huge. Or even LinkedIn, that is huge as well. And that's sometimes very un- underrated. And sometimes that's the ultimate leverage actually, where we leverage on just such platforms and this using technology and really putting ourselves out there because to be honest, 90% of designers won't really do something like that because most of us are maybe more shy and introvert, but having that courage and knowing that the first few tries of communicating, because even for my interviews, uh, when I went for the interviews, like my first few interviews, like I was very, very shy. Uh, I was very, very awkward and don't know how to, don't know how to present myself uh, and all that. But when after I reframe it and kind of see it, eh, for every interview actually is not a confrontation. Sometimes people feel like an interview is like a confrontation, but then suddenly I reframe it into more, that's how I treat it into a conversation where I'm just chatting with another human being. The hiring manager is a human being, I'm a human being, we're just having a conversation. They are kind of uh, assessing whether I'm good fit for them. I'm also assessing whether I'm good fit for them. So it comes, it took away the fear. And I think that time of my, the same kind of mindset I think can be applied into different areas. So uh, talking to your managers on a day-to-day basis, talking to your peers on a day-to-day basis, catching catching up with them, having casual conversation. I think that itself is powerful. It's important. Even with your family members or your friends, you know, just on a day-to-day basis, talking to people, I think that itself, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good practice. Mm-hmm. And you just have to keep communicating mm-hmm. more and more. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication is very important. Uh, as a newly mm. married man yourself, I will give you some <laughs> advice as a person who's been married for uh, um, how many years? Uh, yes. Two, uh, two, two over, two, you almost three years. Uh, <laughs> I have to remember, I have to remember. Communication is key. You know, anything you is exactly. worth, you know, uh, worth communicating. Um, yes. But, but I mean, yeah, so I, I, I do agree. I think that the, I, I do think that, you know, this communication and, and, and yeah, putting yourself out there because to be very honest, I mean, I'm not, you know, really putting myself out there for for a job, but it's just to sort of showcase, you know, through the podcast or through the YouTube, um, mm. um, to sort of, I guess, to grow the name of design. I mean, to me, to be honest, yes. the reason why I started this whole podcast was really to say mm. that design is bigger than what the general public perceive it to be, right? Yeah. Um, so I I think that's that that's the message that I'm trying to send across to everybody, and cool. and yeah, I'm also learning. Mm. Right? Every day I'm trying to sort of improve myself because I realize that you know when I watch my own videos, I, I'm realize that I'm like I will say uh you know uh, yeah. uh, uh then I will stop. So I, I have to consciously even sometimes when I'm when I realize that when I'm speak when I'm being the uh, I'm listening to you. Um, my first few podcasts, you'll notice that I'll go, mm, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Yes. But I realize yeah. that actually it's distracting to to the listeners. So I try to keep myself, you know, I try to keep myself sh- shut, you know, in Correct. that sense. So so I'm, Correct. I think, yeah, it's every day I'm learning a new communication okay. or a new, um, uh, I guess, a human awareness, interaction. Right. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, the yeah. human interaction, that that, that awareness okay. as well. I think that's a that's a skill that 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 that. We have to to pick up. Do you think that Correct. there's any for young designers who are Correct. who you say apart from just putting out your work out there, um, mm. going to speak to more people, um, you know, putting yourself in, maybe onto different platforms. You know, are yeah. there things that they can do? Do you feel that they can do to really groom this, 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 this awareness and this 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 skill of mm. communication? Do you think there's anything that you mm. would, any, that that it can can be done, especially for young designers like maybe those fresh out of yeah. school or you know poly yeah. or uni or things like that? Correct. That's a good question. So I think for me, I think uh, I also got a lot of feedback. I think through my experience, both the past three months, I was like mentoring about twenty plus twenty seven uh, designers from all around the world. Um, especially helping them throughout this uh, situation that we are all in, um, advancing the career, developing a career, or getting a job, and this is also one question they are asked: like, you know, how do I position myself better uh, to get a job or to move out to my career as well? Um, so I think for me, uh, what I kind of recommend to them in terms of this reflection is really to look back. So I, I actually had these three uh, different tests that I kind of learned, uh, a thought experiment that I learned from an online entrepreneur in America called Pat Flynn. He, he runs uh, Smart Passive Income. So he, during this whole crisis, he, re- he gave one of his calls for free, uh, which is a business course. La. But part of the first few exercises that really got me, uh, that I use it for in terms of my coaching with, the, with my younger designers or the designers, my mentees, is three tests. So the first one is called an airport test, all right? So you imagine yourself in an airport, all right? Uh, at maybe a Chinese airport or something and five, in five years, five years in the future. So this is like 2025, five years in the future. You are in the airport and your, a friend, a best friend came come along and said, hey, hey, Nicholas, wow, five years. Uh, it's, it's cool to meet you again. Uh, how's your life been? And when you reply back to this person, um, you want to then share you know five years into the future how is your life awesome and this could be in areas of your career your love life your family your relationship your money etc and then you start to note it down why is your off your life awesome in the five years so first one is to look into the future all right project yourself in the future and where you want to be and what an awesome life would look like for you then the second test is a bit more difficult where we have to look back reflect back into our past so it's called the history test in some sense, or yeah, I'll just call it the history test. So it's called the history test. And basically what it does is, it's something that I did unconsciously or consciously uh, before I knew about this this thing, is just looking back at my past careers or past important milestones of my life. And so be in your career, new job or schools or studies or a role that you took up in a school or CCA uh, and ask yourself, you know, just three questions. Um, First, what is three things I really enjoy about this, all right? As a designer in this particular company or this role, what are three things I really enjoy about this whole experience? 
right? If you're in school or in uni, what are three things I really enjoy? So when I ask my students during my coaching session, I don't ask them what are they best at, what they're good at, which subject are they good at. I don't ask them. I ask them what do they enjoy. Then I ask them that. Then the next question to ask is what are three things I do not enjoy about this whole experience or this moment or this memory, all right? And that itself will kind of highlight some uh, key points about things that you want to avoid. Uh, uh, so yeah. And then the last one is to just sum it up is what is your most favorite memory from this experience? Yeah. And so I can, I can share one with you. Actually, I have seven in the notebook if you oh, okay. open to share. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're okay to share. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just give me one sec. Yeah. No, no, no. I, so uh... I have it here. Okay. So our, I'll maybe share the experience uh, as a product designer at Barrows. Mm. Uh, when I first, it's kind of, kind of my official first job as a designer, yeah, as a full-time designer. So what I really enjoyed about it was, you know, I designed solutions for many different big, big name brands uh, throughout my two years there. Learned a lot from how design works, how is it just more than art, but it's science. Um, second, I really like the overall company's culture there and the vibes every day. We have music blasting in the whole entire office, uh, working with colleagues from all around the world. That's very exciting. Uh, I really enjoyed the ownership and autonomy it was given to us as designers to deliver solutions and presentation to clients feel valued for my work there as a designer. Mm. So there's three things I really enjoyed about it. And three things I did not enjoy about it is not being able to interact with clients directly mm. for briefing or to presentation. <laughs> because sometimes I have to always work through a sales manager or sales director. Mm. Uh, so I don't really get to interact with the clients. So I, I kind of like that. I don't, I don't like that as much. Second one is politics. Uh, they're always, even in a small company, mm. there's always going to be politics with different people. So that's something to kind of take note of. So, yeah, I think that's common for every type of organization. Uh, third one, uh, I was fully focused in the design role itself, not able to teach or share because previously, before I came to Bar this role in Barrows, I was teaching uh, at ITE and M M NYP. And I really liked that. And I liked that giving back or that mentoring or that teaching or sharing back with others. So in this role, I found it difficult that and limited uh, that I couldn't do it in this current role. That's something I didn't really enjoy and was not feeling, I was feeling that I'm not living up to my full potential. So there's the three things that I did not enjoy about it. My most favorite memory was that it, I, it was my first and only overseas paid business trip that I went to South Africa after being awarded the best designer of the year there. So I got to work at, the, at the, our head office in Durban in, Africa, in South Africa. And every weekend we went for a uh, animal safari and got to work for big brands there again in Africa. So it's really fun. And I really got to learn about the overall business and met a lot of awesome people and colleagues over there as well. Uh. So then after once you have done all this, you do a grading of uh, A, B or C or D. So for this experience, I already C. So then over time, you want to do this for all your different milestones mm -hmm. of your career. And as once you have this uh, map out, Already. Then what you want to do is to kind of find the commonality. So like in design thinking, right, we have this uh, empathy, you know, the empathy stage, we mm -hmm. go out interview yeah, users yeah. and all that, we get all different insights. But after this interviews and these sessions of interviews, we will put our findings together and kind of uh, emphasize them and gather them and categorize them. So that's the same thing you want to do. And you want to ask yourself, you know, at the end of this whole reflection exercise, what are the one or two things that seems to motivate you most about the work that you do. So then things that you enjoy, you put them together and you start to see, hey, is there a cluster? So for me, it came back to interaction, having to interact with people to diversity of projects. I like to work with a lot of different kinds of things, being valued as a designer, and then ownership and autonomy. That's something that I really uh, desire. And then learning, being to learn new stuff or to teach uh, people as well. So yeah, so this is something that in terms of reflection that I did, and it kind of gives you a bit of more of awareness and later when you're finding your next job or career, uh, it gives you as a guiding post or as you're like a principle that you kind of follow and a framework to kind of find your next place. Yeah. The last test is uh, that I learned from this whole thing is called a shark bait test. So the whole idea of this shark bait test is basically if you imagine yourself being in Shark Tank, the TV mm -hmm. show, right? And there is the sharks in the room there. And Kevin O'Leary, who is one of the, the sharks there, typically all the products that is being pitched to the, the sharks or the investors there are actually pretty much the same. But the key thing that really make them want to invest in someone is that someone. Mm -hmm. They don't really care too much about the products and all that, the business. They can make it. But 
who they are investing into mm. it uh, makes a lot of sense and makes makes is the decision factor. So that's why it's called the sharp big test, and it's kind of understanding what's your unfair advantage. And this is the tougher one. This one, what I, what the test really got me to do, which I also did in the previous few other workshops here and there, is to ask maybe the five to ten closest people to you, friends, family, and all that about what is their impression of you. Mm. What do they feel like they, you're best known for? Uh, what is your best quality? What is your strengths? Mm. And you ask them that. Because sometimes for us, when we ask ourselves, uh, we get an illusion mm. of what we think we are good at. So for example, for myself, um, when I first started out, I, asked my, uh, asked my, I, I had this, always this impression that because I'm a designer, I'm a creative person. Mm. All right? So my unfair advantage is that I'm creative to all my friends and my families. But when I asked my friends and my colleagues and all, the, the thing that came back to me was not creativity. And creativity was one of the qualities, uh, but it was like ranked third or fourth. The first one was passion. That they see me as someone who is very passionate about what I do. And then the second one is trust, where they found me to be someone who's trusting, who can really, they can share a lot of, a lot of things about uh, and they feel like they can connect with. And having knowing those two qualities, right, actually is one of the reasons that gave me a lot of confidence to do a career switch or career change to become a lecturer, from a designer to mm. become a lecturer at a young age because I know that I can, as a lecturer, uh, I want to share my passion with the students. I also want to be able to communicate and get them to feel that they can trust me so that I can help them, teach them, and then have a communication, with, uh, communicate with them, interact with them. So that really got me thinking. So yeah. So that's uh, the three tests that I learned from this whole thing, which is a bit of the reflection. Mm. And a lot of, uh, I don't think design schools really do this, but I try to do it with my students. I try to get them to reflect back about the whole learning experience in uni or in poly, get them to kind of reflect, you know, where, what, what are some things that they enjoy, what are some things they don't enjoy. And as slowly as they go through this self-awareness exercise with themselves and be honest with themselves, because it's themselves, they can't go wrong, right? Uh, then they have more clarity about where they want to go next. Yeah, be it for the job they want to do, for the life they want to live, or the future they want to create. Yeah. I mean, they can't be wrong, but they can be sometimes be delusional uh, because I mean right. because because <laughs> which your which your test actually does because when I start asking other people what are the best qualities that that they see or the worst qualities that they see of, of me, I may think that I'm a very good person, right? Um but mm. or I may think that my strengths are A B C, but it may turn out that what other people value in me is maybe DEF, right? Uh which right. I think yeah that's that's very useful because I, I did actually to be honest, I did ask a lot of my students who have been graduating for the far past few years. I I, I and I asked them very straightforward, which was what are your strengths? Mm. Um but I realized that a lot of them didn't know what their strengths were. There were a few students, so those that were co very confident, um, they knew what they wanted to do as a career. Um, you know, they, they, they knew that this was the path. So the, the, those students, we don't have to worry about. I, I didn't have to worry about because I knew that. Too much, like, you don't have to worry too much. Yeah, I mean, don't worry too <laughs> much. students like that. Yeah, so. Yeah. so you're like, ah, you should be fine, yeah. like, you should be fine. But there were the, those that were, uh, actually, I don't know how to do then. And now that I've graduated, I, lost, I try to yeah. ask also. So, but I think that's a, I, I think, you know, the way you describe it, and I think um, the questions that you ask, you know, uh, the, you know, where you are in five years, the airport test, the shark bait mm. test as well, um, mm. about, you the know, history the personality, test, looking back history up. test mm. as well, you know. Um, you know, these, 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 these three different tests that you describe actually mm. does get somebody to reflect on themselves. And, and I also really like the, the, the the history test, especially when you talk about you know your experiences in 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 the in Earth. whatever in the in the workplace or, or school Correct. or whatever, because you frame the questions quite differently rather than you know ask you what yourself ask yourself what you're you're good at what you're bad at is is being very simple in terms of talking about it in, mm. in emotions and I think design in design we we don't really like to. Uh, emotion is something that's very hard to define as a KPI mm. for a business. Right. But I've, I feel that, you know, even when I talk to one of my previous uh, podcast guests, who her name is Angela. Yes. So she's she's actually been looking at how design from a psychological level uh, impacts design de decisions. And I think, you know, we... we I, you know, emotions seem to come up quite a lot, you know, understanding yourself, you know, how do you feel about this, this experience or that experience. And I think that's something that... That that really, I'm. Try, I have no. I don't have the answer. But you know, if we mm. can figure out how we can 
you know, let emotions be a viable KPI to measure. Um, mm. You know, and I, I would imagine now with your work with NTUC Income, you know, talking about the experience of customers, how they feel about things. Um, I guess, you know, good segue. Uh, you know, so how <laughs> do you, I mean, now within your, 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 your job, you know, especially when you're yes. looking at the experiences of customers compared to your previous job where you actually were looking at it from an internal internal business perspective, right? Correct. Um, how do you feel um, or how, how do, you, do you do you think that collecting, you know, people's emotions, is there some way we... do? You, have you found a, a way to mm. collect that in a, in a manner in which, you know, the other people in the business also acknowledge? Or do you think mm. that you're still trying to figure that out for yourself? In, good question. So, mm-hmm. um, in terms of income, I'm about coming three months in, so I can't really comment too much. Mm-hmm. There's not much I can do. I can share a bit about the work that I did at DBS sure, sure. Yeah, to yeah, give yeah, a bit yeah. more clarity in mm-hmm. terms of how we do that. La. So, uh, one of the things that we did in uh, in DBS, uh, one of my projects that I did was looking at how can we change the meeting culture at DBS. And I think the key thing for that was it really started, this whole journey started back in uh, mid-2017 where Piyush, the CEO and the senior leaders there, about two to 300 of them, met an offsite. And back then, we had this, they had this ambition to be the best bank in the world by 2020. And obviously, they hit that goal about two years earlier and they achieved it in 2018. But before that, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't at that goal already. So one of the kind of strategies in terms of reaching that was to be a 22,000 startup. And one of the things that they were discussing, you know, what's the number one blocker that's really preventing us to be this startup or this journey or helping us there. And one of the points that the senior leaders brought up was this whole idea and this issue about meetings and how day-to-day the teams meet or the organization or the people met uh, wasn't very effective. You didn't start on time. Meeting didn't start on time. Uh, people, there was no data being shared. It was all just... Uh, people's intuition or people's experience and just gut feelings and all that. So there's really a lot of data being shared in the meetings to make decisions. Uh, people don't speak up. It's only the ways the senior leaders that speaks up or the most, uh, what you call the hippo, the highest paid person in the room to speak that speaks up. Uh, there was uh, meetings don't start on time and then uh, there's no clear summary at the end. So there was this problem and issue and really meetings is like on a day-to-day basis that's how we people meet with each other and in terms of culture that's kind of part of a bigger culture and how what we call the micro uh, spectrum of what culture is because that's how we people interact with each other and how people behave with each other so my boss uh back then uh together with a couple of other colleagues came together was assigned by the ceo Piyush to go and solve this problem so they did it uh, they came up with something called uh, Meeting Mojo, uh, which at DBS, Meeting Mojo stands for uh, the two roles that uh, plays in this role. So Mo stands for Meeting Owner, Joe stands for Joyful Observer. So the role of Mo needs to make sure that every meeting uh, has what we call dates. Uh, D for data, make sure that every meeting has the data involved uh, when we make decisions. A, have a clear agenda of what is going to be discussed in the meeting. T, timeliness, making sure that the meeting starts and ends on time. And E, uh, equal share of voice, making sure that Mo has the role and responsibility to make sure that everyone has a chance to speak in the whole meeting. And then S, to summarize all the points that was talked about in the whole meeting. And then the other role that is Joe is called the Joyful Observer. And he is the one, he or she is the one that was appointed by Mo to give feedback on how Mo ran the meeting. So mm-hmm. at the end of the meeting about uh, one minute or two minutes, uh, Joe has to give feedback on how more the ran, ran the meeting according to dates, D-A-T-E-S, on the data, the agenda, the timeliness, the equal share voice, or the summarize. So for example, in this meeting with uh, Nick, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, if Nick is the more, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, Nick, uh, in this meeting, clearly you brought the data in. Mm-hmm. So we had, really had a lot of good discussion around the data that was presented. Um, in terms of agenda, you had some clear real agenda, but unfortunately, this meeting didn't start. We, we didn't start the meeting uh, on time. We started late, and also we ended late as well, which actually affected the next meeting. Uh, Going to affect our next meeting. And in terms of uh, Ecosia voice, uh, I noticed that uh, Sarah didn't really speak up or wasn't uh, given a chance to speak up. So I think in the next meeting we can involve more people to speak up and share our ideas. And then in the in the last one, you did summarize uh, pretty well, so that's great. So if this direct feedback immediately in the next meeting, uh, you Nicholas as the more 
will have an awareness in terms of where are your shortcomings or where can you improve so that one meeting by one meeting as a bank, as an organization, we can improve the overall culture. Mm-hmm. So that's how this whole thing started. La. And it's still ongoing now, even in this whole journey in DBS, in even 2020, about three years on, it's still ongoing. Uh, so we are, I think to date, through the different programs that I've, uh, we have launched with this meeting uh, module initiative, we helped the bank save about, in 2018, we helped the bank save about 320,000 hours. Which wow. you equate to one uh, salary plus one hour average salary mm-hmm. is about fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and it's about twenty two thousand staff. You t- multiply that and two meetings average a uh, a day. Mm-hmm. That's about ten mi- ten millions year on year savings already. In twenty nineteen, we increased that to about five hundred and forty thousand hours, mm-hmm. um, just because of the scale of people increasing and also the time saved. Mm-hmm. So this is productivity saving mm-hmm. and effective saving. So people are still doing. Uh, the day-to-day work and all that, yeah. but is their time is well spent and time is given back to them to do more high-value stuff. Yeah. So in terms of how we track it, because uh, that's back to the earlier question, in terms of emotion, how you track mm-hmm. it. So for all these experiments and all that, um, in terms of how we get all this data is by running surveys, mm-hmm. right? So at, at the start of when we launched this new initiative, so for example, for us, when we launch it in May of the year, uh, we'll do a bank-wide survey. And in terms of this survey, we'll ask very succinct questions that we will measure upon and answering and for that it's easy for our employees to answer at the same time we also measure in terms of their behavior in terms of their how they feel and how their what their emotions towards this uh, experience then every month after that we do a random sample across the whole bank about a few thousand about three four thousand of them uh, then we get the feedbacks back mm-hmm. then we measure it and we see whether we improve in some areas or deprove not not improve in some areas we report this finding back to the senior management communicate with them all right uh, then in the end of the year in october we will do a bank-wide survey again uh, to kind of see how much we improve or not improve and luckily we do improve <laughs> with the constant uh, engagement and uh, with our employees so this is through a survey mechanism and through very carefully crafted questions that we try multiple times to get people uh, employees to try it and uh, give their feedback whether this really target the thing that we want to target and we measure according to that yeah in terms of measuring emotion as a bank that's how we do it. and that's something that was really prompted by our chief data transformation officer, Paul Coburn, who's our sponsor for this program. And we meet him on like a bi-weekly basis to kind of get his data and feedback. And he's the one really that pushed us towards this new direction of being more data-driven and forcing us to really get some quantifiable results from all this good work that we have been doing in terms of culture uh, and kind of measuring that. And then when we report back to the organization, to the senior management, uh, they see the data, uh, in terms of people's behavior, these are improving. And in terms of the day-to-day, they're also seeing it in real life. So they can then justify, oh, it makes sense. And that's why there is this whole big uh, push like, and a lot more confidence given to them to kind of endorse it further, role model it, sponsor it further, you know, support it further throughout the whole bank. Yeah. Even now, like three years on, it's yeah. still ongoing. Yeah. yeah. Looking at different areas that we can improve. So are you going to bring this to uh, income? Yeah, so I've shared with income. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing that I learned coming to income is that every company has its own journey, its own digital transformation journey. Uh, so they, that DBS started its journey ever since like 20, 2007, 2008, uh, when, especially when Piyush uh, jumped on board as the CEO. Um, and that's ever since that's like a 13 years 14 years kind of journey, very, very long. Um, and then income itself recently started, maybe three years on, four years on, uh, innovating. So it's, it's a different very, at a different stage. So sometimes what I've learned is in terms of doing this transformation design work is that sometimes the organization or employees or the management or the company itself is not ready yet for such a radical shift. And what we need to do is to start small. We start with small little projects and that's how DBS actually started as well in this whole transformation. We start with one process improvement project that helps save uh, millions of hours for our customers, boost the confidence of management and also the people that's involved. Then from that, then slowly evolve to more projects of such, such scale. Then as the it, came, uh, as it grew, then the human-centered design or design thinking thing, methodology kind of brought in to kind of improve that further. Then Agile is brought in, then data is brought in. And all this 
slowly, slowly grew and grew, uh, eventually to what what you see, what you guys see on the news today, lah, about what DBS is. Mm. So that itself is a very interesting learning point for me, lah. So I think in income is starting on the right journey. So depending again, when is the readiness of this organization in terms of taking a more uh, radical change? So sometimes some some of this initiative is a bit too uh, far fetching, too a bit more <laughs> scary for some people. So how can we do it in smaller chunks to slowly build up confidence with the management and also the whole company of such transformation journey? Yeah, because you want to transform people like like that. Not everyone's like a Tony Rob Tony Robbins where you can do it in one person and you, yeah. So sometimes you really need to pace it slowly. So income, yeah, they have the appetite. It's just uh, when. <laughs> yeah, can I? I'll ask you the airport test in uh in twenty twenty five again. Yeah, yeah, to see <laughs> the 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 achievements of uh of of your um of your the exp uh, as an experienced designer, right? Awesome. Um, yeah. But no, actually, I mean. We, mm. which you've communicated very clearly I mean this is such a good case study and everybody should be listening about this particular case study I mean it's not mm. a high tech you know solution mm. it's not um, it's not a very sexy sexy solution in that sense right it's not something right. very designerly aesthetically pleasing in that sense but it's a process yeah. you know and by changing sometimes by changing a process through you know your human centered design user design user experience design or design thinking methodologies yeah. techniques very mm. simple um, surveys you know random sampling or you know bang white you know that 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 already gives you you're talking about millions of dollars of savings you know and and you know that yeah. highest so many more people in a year you can you know do all of these uh, 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 things with those resources so i mean Correct. and also on a on a on a on a personal level i imagine if i was you know a, M a mo or a joe right it Correct. gives the joe i see that it gives the joe um uh, a little bit more authority as well to say that hey you know uh, and the joke can be anybody right the joke can be a Correct. just an intern or it can be an a, 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 a executive it doesn't always have to exactly. be a person that's that's that above that's above the more or the hippo in that sense right so so Correct. so yeah that you there's there's a lot of empowerment you know with simple mm. processes that are there and and i think I think yeah, I think the appetite that you're talking about, you know, is very very true. You know, um, DBS Correct. definitely has a much a bigger appetite, you know, Correct. for the change, <laughs> uh, and also you know it's both. It seems to it seems to come from top down and you know to a certain extent bottom up as well. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So 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 that you know wow very 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 good example. I will Correct. take this and put it in my slides. Because <laughs> I'm I'm more than happy to share with the slides and yeah, the case yeah. study as well. Because I think this case study also has been shared on uh, Harvard Business Review mm -hmm. or some uh, business magazines or even a book coming up. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's being shared as well. So it's, it's quite cool. Uh. I, I think when, when we first did, did this, we didn't really expect much. But as we do, uh, we, we went on this journey because it's also a very radical thing. So it's also putting ourselves out there. But as we got traction, uh, it started to build a platform for culture to change in the organization mm -hmm. and also more people want to chip in and want people want to contribute and then now we're able to tackle even tougher stuff mm -hmm. so other after like handling the foundational meeting behaviors kind of thing and we got things to improve by a fair bit then we went into the next one which is deeper it's like how can we then create a psychological safety in, in organization google does it very well they also do independent studies inside the organization to kind of improve their management uh, managers effectiveness and their teamwork and all that so dbs also is thinking on the same as being inspired by such big tech companies and we're looking in terms of yeah in psychological safety how can we improve it how can we increase it how can we get people to not just say nice things to each other or like speak up but how do we get people to disagree or have a discourse with each other how do we get them to descend with each other to kind of like so that you know is when when you discuss and debate ideas with each other that's where new ideas new innovation comes about so how can we do that because that that in some way translates to new business value as well then i think this year that's in 2019 this year we are focused have a really heavy focus on feedback and how can we create a feedback culture uh throughout the whole organization where we are more appreciative of each other we are more open with each other and sharing uh where our strengths our weaknesses where we can improve and we do that anonymously and also directly as well. So that's also a lot of initiative coming in from both HR. It's a partnership between HR and Transformation Group as well. Yeah. So 
it starts with a small project, then eventually it starts to grow and grow and create a platform. So advice for like organizations out there is really to start small. Then eventually as that big traction, then I think it's like a startup, right? When you do MVP, when you starts to be a bit more traction, then you start to scale. So I think it's the same for any uh, transformation program or initiative. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I mean the the thing that really struck me when you describe all these mm. um things, you know, I I've 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 of course I've read about you know what DBS has been doing, you know they've they are they are really the post. I mean, DBS has been the design poster <laughs> boy for Singapore for many yes. years, la, You know, we went Correct. over to um you know uh, see the presentations by uh, Chowick and their design team oh, and everybody. Yep. Amazing stuff. Um, but I think this conversation that I'm having with you really open really opens that window and shows that mm. even when you talk about being the Gandalf, right? The 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 the, the big tech Dean company, Dana. right? Yeah. Dean Gandalf exactly. DBS, right? Mm. To be the Googles, to be the AliExpress or the Alibaba, mm. you know, your your what you're talking about here is actually embracing the human the human aspects of the world, right? Um right. and right. building on human empowerment, which is what I've 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 learned from 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 you so far, mm. you know, in this conversation, and I think that's right. something that, you know, uh, I think design or even tech sometimes it's all about you know what is the technological advancement, what mm. is the, uh, you know, uh, what's the benefit, what's the cost, you know, how expensive is my technology, blah blah, blah so and so forth. There's right. a lot of very. Uh, quant- quantifiable um, data points in that sense but mm. how do we translate or merge those qu- very quantifiable data points right. within the tech world mm. with the very the human aspects of that I think that's something that I think a lot of organizations yeah. like I wouldn't just say businesses but just organizations are are, are, are struggling with so it's very Correct. endearing to to really hear that you know um, mm. from a human aspect DBS has been able to 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 do that and of course you know now you know with your journey mm. with 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 um with NTUC that's also seems to be starting to, to uh, you know to, to start as well yeah. you know, at an early stage mm. but but still you know still something that it's 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 you know uh it's it, it's on the journey which is which is a good thing I feel Correct. yeah you know. um so I guess the next actually the next question I wanted because you, what you talked about sure. is actually what I I believe like it's is the bigger value of design because. Mm. You know, um, I think now in the industry, there's a lot of people that's talking about UX, UI, which is which is which is which is very useful. It's it's the market now. It's you know, for you to be a UX exactly. designer, um, you know, to learn about all the user interface, you know, uh, all the different uh, tools that are there, um, the visual aspects of it. You know, the, the, these are um, a lot of the communication designers, graphic designers have evolved and moved into that particular field already, um, but. I, 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 you know, just with this example that you shared, you know, I think that mm. the the value of design is bigger than just um, UX, you know. So, so I guess for my question to you is, you know, mm. as a person who is, you know, define, I guess, yourself as an experienced designer or experienced design mm. manager in that sense, do you feel that there is the, the, the I guess, the market or the workforce Mm. Um, the people who are in the industry, do you sort of feel that the that this label of an experienced designer is sometimes mis um, misunderstood as a UX designer, mm. um, or do you think that the the industry has a very clear separation between the two? Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a terrific terrific question because even for as an academic, right, as a as educator, or even even a government, even for Design Singapore as the agency, right, or even for practitioners for like us, it's difficult to kind of uh, label, put labels to things. Uh, and sometimes these labels also, everyone have a different interpretation to what it is, right? So even there is new things like service design and what does it really entails, you know, transformation design, what does it entails, or policy design or system design, you know, like, or even like user experience, experience, what, what does it already mean? And I think for me, it's, I just see it as design. Uh, it doesn't really matter too much and what labels we put. The labels that we put onto such things like UI design, okay, this is just interface design, user interface design that is through the apps or the websites that we interact with, the digital uh, things that we interact with. Those are the visual designs and stuff. So that's, that's very clear. 
user experience then goes into broader in terms of the product or the app. Uh, what's the overall user experience of that one particular product? All right. Then once you go into customer experience or employee experience or or experience design in general, then it looks done. Then you tend to look at the overall person's journey throughout this using this uh, this product, this service, and all that. When you look at service design, you just look at one particular service of how the customer interacts. So there are all these different laborings and bucket. I think it's useful in some extent, uh, but end of the day, there's a common uh, thread that runs around everything is about which is design and is how I define design is just a creative problem solving process, a way for us to solve people's problem, write solutions to it. So doesn't really matter what is required. Because even nowadays, uh, for the big tech companies like Google and all, you start to notice that they don't have a very defined term. And this is something I heard from the Google design manager as well, is that they slowly take away this whole UI UX thing already. They just call the designers product designers. And it becomes necessity or it comes uh, given that this product designer needs to know both UI UX. Yeah. And the next thing they need to make, know is maybe a bit of coding or a bit of research and here and there. Uh, but it's a given that you need to do this. So there are, role, there are companies that this role is still very clearly defined, where you are a UI designer, you are a UX designer, or UX researcher and all that. But sometimes when we look at the big tech companies and maybe they have a, a, a wider foresight on things to come, they will see this grow merging. And I think you, you even when I've, through the different um, coaching uh, students that I've coached and uh, staff, all the younger designers, the feedback that I get from them through their different interviews with companies is that because of this current crisis and how budgets are shrinking as well and they are maybe hiring freeze here and there, now companies are also asking a lot more from designers mm. where they don't just hire you for just one particular purpose and grow. They expect maybe a bit more, whether you have graphic design, you have a bit of design research, you will, yeah, at the end of the day, it becomes like just a product designer where you need to do kind of everything. And even my role at the DS, at DBS is as a design coach, what does this really entail? Uh, it entails anywhere from uh, designing decks. So, you, know, you can got graphic design, you can call it copywriting, you can copy it storytelling, whatever, to uh, doing research, doing interviews and all that, designing experiments, design, uh, actually going down then designing EVMs, artifacts, banners, or doing presentation or even being a mascot. So some of the things that we do also have to be the mascot or I have to do a voiceover for the mascot. So all these are different roles. And if you if the designer comes into the industry or just have a single mindset, oh, I just want to do UI design. Mm. Okay, you can. Not, nothing wrong with that. And there are some companies that really pay very well for such designer. But as the industry evolves, you also need to be prepared to take on new roles mm. and responsibility, especially if you want to rise up in terms of your design career journey as well. So, and that's the reality. Uh, I think end of the day is about the problems that you're solving. If the problem itself you're solving is small, like a UI, particular button features and all that, then your earning potential, your growth potential is maybe also limited mm. to some extent. But as you start to broaden your imagination, you broaden your scope to what a, design can, a designer can do and what design is really, and you take on bigger problems, more complex, challenging problems that are more systematic, or global scale, and that's where your you start to pull in different toolkits, framework from being agile or being from business side, or being from design or engineering. You start to bring everything in, and you start to make a mess, kind of a mess, a nice mess of it, and kind of solve that problem. So it doesn't really matter whether you are a designer per se; you just become a design contributor to that project. So that's a slow shift that I'm seeing for how I'm kind of slowly seeing the new definition of what a designer is. It's just basically a creative problem solver. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't really matter what is it. Because like for me, I didn't know UI UX, right? At DBS, when, um, when we are required to design, one day, you know, after our through our research and all that, uh, one of the solutions was decided was, that, oh, maybe we need an app to kind of help us to mitigate this Joe, help this. Uh, so we have the Meeting Mojo app, it's on the App Store. Uh, basically, the insight that we got from our Joes through our interviews is that sometimes for the Joe, because they are junior, right? And it's very difficult for them to give feedback to the managers or the directors in the room. So what if we could design an app or a third party thing that could speak up for this person, for this junior person? So we thought a timer app that will have an audio buzz if the meeting is going to end soon instead of the person speaking up and we just clear on fact. So we did that. And previously, I didn't, I didn't know how to design an app. I have never designed an app before. But then I had the mindset 
just an open mindset. Okay, just go and do. So I just go on YouTube, learn, study, study all the other different apps, take best practices, then design an app, then go through testing and all that, and slowly improve it along the way. And once you have that type of mindset, it's a bit more open. And you take on any type of challenge. I don't know. I I see UI, UX, all very blurred. I just see it as design. Mm. <laughs> Everything is design. Yeah, it's about solving a problem for particular user or a group of user or yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, 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 with what you're saying. Because I mean, I've, mm. I mean, when I first started out learning about you know design or UX, you know, I think mm. many, you know, even my def, my, my, my under my masters was sort of define, it helps me define myself as a design anthropologist per se or the design mm. ethnography. Mm. Um, but, but, but you know, and and the more companies I see, you know, there's, you know, now designers are also calling themselves, um. Uh, multi-disciplinary or transformational designers and things like that. So, so it's. Correct. But when I look at the tools or the skills that people are using, it's quite. Uh, I mean, it's quite it's quite common, you know, that you and I will use on a day to day basis. Uh, whether it's the research or the mapping exercises or the toolkits that are there, um, whether the way you're drawing from different schools of thought. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do agree that we are essentially trying to be problem solvers, lah. And I think you know you've shared. Mm. Um, very very good examples of how we solve problems through a sort of creative mindset. Um, mm. I also like how you you shared about you know the other skills that are not necessarily associated with 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 designers like communication and and things like that. Correct. Which which mm. you know I think is very valuable for us. So I guess to to end off, I I did want to ask you one thing. You know I mean sure. you talk about you know currently being a mentor. You know even though in your workplace you you you're you're as an experienced designer, you're still mentoring a lot of students now. So if a student Correct. wanted to come and find you. And mm. maybe get some advice. You know, do you have any um, you know advice for them, or you know how can we come and find you and connect with you? Sure. So if you want to find me, you can look at me up on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name, Joseph Lewis Tan. Uh, I, I'm I should pop up or you Google me. You should find me as well. Yeah, I, I'm the only person who have that name <laughs> <laughs> thus far that I know of. Uh, yeah. So you can ask me for any advice there through that channel. Uh, if you want to have a call with me, you also can uh, just DM me or message me. I'm more than happy to have a chat with you uh, to help you along your journey, your way. Um, in terms of advice that I would give to young designers is, I think one thing that I've really noticed, like, because I, I was also a hiring manager, I hired for designers as well. And nothing to put against designs coming from General Assembly or Hyper Island and all that. But generally, a lot of these UI UX designers that comes in, they even for design schools, to be honest, is that they will have a fixed set of portfolio, correct? So they come in, they will see, you know, the projects that you see, sometimes I have 10 designs coming in from maybe GA or Mixi and that, but then the projects I see is all the same. And who is the actual designer? I also do not know. Um, but then it's also very difficult for me as a hiring manager to go and decide, how, how am I going to decide who to choose and who to hire, right? So I think the smarter designers and the, the ones that are a bit willing to put a bit more extra work, what they would do is then they would do a bit more pro bono work for example, let's say if you're hiring, uh, you want your, your desired company, your dream company to work for is DBS, for example. And this are, I've seen examples of this happening in, in, in DBS as well, uh, for, for junior designers. What they would do is that they would, okay, if the, the company I want to work for is DBS, okay, and my, the role that I'm implying is for a product designer or for a UI UX designer, okay, uh, the projects that I have maybe is not related to any finance mm -hmm. and all that. What I could do is then maybe I look at the ecosystem of these things that they have, be it from their Payla app to the Gigi Bank, or just maybe a feature or a website or something like that, one product, one feature or what. And maybe I'll go about redesigning it mm -hmm. or making it better. Actually, if you go to any design schools, even as a lecturer, when you ask me to do, <coughs> we ask us to think of the new, new projects, it's either a new design or a redesign, mm -hmm. correct? There's not too much variance in that. So a redesign, it's much simpler. So you see the, the you do an audit of the existing product, where it can be improved. You go and do your interviews and all that. You ask for feedback and you look at best cases, best apps that you know do it better. Then you go about redesigning. Then you explain your whole methodology and your whole process. Blog it on Medium or Substack or in your portfolio or in your website. Um, then you share it. And imagine now if as a hiring manager, when I got ten uh, people coming in for this interview. And out of that, one of them has a particular project that is related to my company 
or especially if, if, if bonus points, if it's related to my team that is actually designing that mm. product, immediately out of this 10 people, mm. you know, who will stand out, mm. right? That one person that actually went above and beyond, mm. right? Who did that even for free, but it's for his own learning or her own learning experience. But because of that relevance mm. and that hard work and that, you know, what, what, we, what I call is the gift, 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 then us. Mm. Or the from Gary Vaynerchuk, like the jab, 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 right hook kind of method approach where you give first and don't expect anything in return. Because of that value given and that relevance, uh, that person is more likely to rem- uh, stay on top of my mind uh, in terms of when I'm making a decision, a hiring decision to who to hire or who to take forward to the next step. So that's something that I don't see a lot of designers doing, especially for junior designers. If not, especially this time is much more difficult to get a job. Um, if you can take a strategy like that, and this has been hap- happened quite a lot to different designers as well, not a lot, but maybe a few designers who went above and beyond, they can manage to secure their dream job or the company that they want. So maybe the first thing to do is kind of list down what are your areas of interest, where you want to get, where you want to explore and hire. Is it e-commerce? Is it any apps? Is it Grab? Is it uh, Carousel? I don't know. Whatever companies you want to go. Then look at their products, look at the ecosystem of what products and services or solutions that they have. And can you go about redesigning that, make it better so that when they have a job opening, if ideally if they have a job opening, you can submit that as a portfolio mm-hmm. piece. All right. And then that will dramatically increase your chances of getting hired or at least getting that first interview, which is most important. Right? Your first job is to get that interview. And once you get an interview, eh, that's where you can sell yourself further to eventually hopefully get a job. So in terms of junior designers, in terms of helping them through this crisis or in their next career, if they were from a junior designer go to mid-level and they want to go for a higher level, then look for that company or that type of project they want to do and then do it. Then use it as your portfolio piece to kind of share and spread the word. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's very good good advice. I mean, uh, even as a lecturer, I'm sure you would have seen a lot of portfolios of students who want to come to your school as well, right, in the past. Mm. Uh, then you've seen, hey, how come you're showing me the same work and someone else is also right. showing the same work? So I think definitely, you know, having, doing some work that relates. I mean, if a student came in and uh, with their portfolio was like, oh, I just redesigned your SIT logo, I'll be like, oh, okay, you definitely stand out in my eye, you know, because I think technical exactly. skills, they can groom, but I think what you're talking about here also is also about initiative, right? Which I think is um, intention. Intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's 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 a very good point. Um. So yeah, I guess uh you know so I I let's let's we we'll end off now. But I think you know <laughs> thanks everybody, um you know for listening. But really uh thank you to to Joseph for 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 you know spending his evening with me and recording this. Um. But yeah, <laughs> thank you know, uh yeah whenever whoever is listening and uh if you do want to connect with Joseph, I I I do have his uh um uh, details in in the links and. Uh, in the descriptions so uh, you know thank thank you very much Joseph for your time thank you for coming on thank you Nicholas thank yeah. you Nicholas for inviting me and thank uh, you everyone for listening <laughs> and we'll see you at the, <laughs> the next podcast uh, and yeah have a, have, a, have a good day or a good night wherever you are and uh, have a good week ahead or have a good end of the week whenever you're listening to this so take care and uh, goodbye see you thanks Joseph bye see you bye bye